0: meditation peace living life to the full being kind to people giving back where possible all these things make up the, the successor that's in you anybody can do this guys
1: all right i'm here with the one and only dr rob kelly dr rob thanks so much for being here
0: always man good to meet you aaron this is going to be the best show ever
1: uh my name is aaron wexler and this is within the game (laughs) podcast dr rob is joining me here today dr rob is an alcoholism and addiction recovery expert he's the founder of the rob kelly recovery group he's been featured on cnn cbs the doctors oprah dr phil and joe rogan and i'm very excited to have you here today dr rob again i really appreciate your time thanks for being here
0: of course man of course it's gonna be uh I love shows like this, especially when I don't know what's coming, because we're we'll getting some real good conversation.
1: Absolutely. That. Well, let's just jump right into it, Dr. Rob. What does uh, inspired yeah. living mean to you?
0: Inspired living means to me is the, is the life I'm living now. And uh, it took me a long time to get here. Don't get me wrong, especially with the troubles and you know the hurdles I, I had to get over coming from a trailer park, almost council estate, uh, to where I am today. But... <coughs> inspired. I inspire people every day because I'm inspired. I get inspired by inspiring people because when you come from homelessness to where I am today, you have a message, you have, you have experience, you have, you know, I truly believe that anybody can do anything they want in the world and be as successful as they want to be. And the only thing that was stopping me was the belief in myself. So I once got told that the difference between me and the CEO of that multi-million dollar company around the corner is he believed he could do it. I didn't. So once we start believing, a great believer in what we hold in our head, we can hold in our hand. So, yeah, I mean, my life today is uh, I'm a self-made millionaire. Um, I'm a successful, we have five uh, offices around the world, five uh, practices, Uh, and I'm the best in the world at what I do because I'm an addict and alcoholic. Why wouldn't I be? Uh, I get to drive the car I want. Uh, I just picked up a a brand new GT AMG, uh, which was absolutely awesome. I paid more, I paid less for my first house, but it's crazy. Why wouldn't you do if you live in life, you know, and I got, I live in a crazy house with three English bulldogs, two cats and my wife. And uh, we have a ball, you know? So amazing. Yeah, it is. But most of it comes from uh, obviously hard work and uh, being the best in the world. What I do. And people, some people still smile at that, but you've got to research me and find out what I do. I know more about neuroplasticity and brain science, the central nervous system regarding addiction and alcoholism but it goes further than that. Aaron. It goes, it goes to success. It goes to being that person, that, that person that's walking the right path. Anybody can shut the mouth off about doing the right thing, but I'll give you, I'll give you a, for instance, every time I speak anywhere, I'll come off TV or, you know, there's always the young girls hanging around and they're always trying to give me phone numbers. I mean, I could do that anytime I want, but I know that if I did all this life, including my wife would go. You know, and that's the hardest part for me is being a success and inspiring people, keeping my feet on the ground, but telling people that you can do this, you know, and my life just gets better and better every day. So my life today, right this moment is better than it was yesterday. And tomorrow is going to be even better. I know that for a fact, because I've been doing this for a long time.
1: I love that. Um, what a great perspective. You know, this podcast, this project is all about tools to help uh, athletes, coaches and entrepreneurs, you know, try to get into that mindset and live the best versions of their life. And when I was uh, doing research for for this show, for this episode today, um, I was thinking, man, what, uh, what an amazing topic, you know, alcoholism and addiction. And um, it's one of those things that, is kind of taboo, right? We, we don't yes. really talk about these things so um, I'm very very happy to, that, that you're here so that we can talk about it. Um, let's 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 talk about that for a second. you know I, I just want you to share a little bit of your uh, briefly of your your background and how you got to where you are today with your alcoholism journey.
0: Sure, I, I, I was born into a musical family, my aunt and uncle uh, and my mom to a certain degree. So at the age of nine, I was on uh, professionally playing at the age of nine base with my auntie and uncle. And it's where I took my first drink in Liverpool, United Kingdom, which set off my alcoholism. Didn't know it then. Nobody knew it then. It's new research. Uh, and my trauma as, as a child, which is deep. So I have to say straight off the bat that alcoholism has got very little to do with alcohol and drug addiction has got very little to do with drugs. Um, you know, as I go through life. And I, I, I've, I've been had the pleasure to work with some of the best football players in the world and some of the best athletes in the world, as well as pop stars, movie stars, you know, TV stars. And, it, and it's just amazing that we, that we all have one thing in common. And that is when it comes to addiction, that we don't want to do it. So most misunderstood, it's most misunderstood disease in the world. And it's, it's the only self-diagnosed illness. So I went through uh, school on a council estate, and projects, but I always knew I wanted better. And I don't know where that come from. I think it come from my auntie, actually. She was always acting a lot posher and richer than she was. And I like that. You know, my mom was always embarrassed to live on a council estate. She always telling him we lived in the private. And I liked that. You know, I didn't, I didn't really want to be associated. I'm supposed to grow up. I have two kids go to the pub every Friday and Saturday night and work for the local gas board or council. That's what I'm supposed to do as a Kelly, but I always wanted different. So I start I started a, a band. I was always in bands earning money weekend, went for a bass playing job at strawberry studios, where 10 CC owns played there. And then, wanted to go to college, but I wanted to go to the best college in the world, but I didn't have the education or the contacts or the money. So I joined the Freemasons very early age. And uh, you know I was playing the organ there for them. And I also uh, applied for a job at Abbey Road, where the famous Beatles come from. And I played with Elton John, David Bowie, Queen, all them guys, and then a ton of money paid for college and, you know, just wanted to be a success. But Finally, I met a girl. We bought our house on the hill. with we driving Porsches. We had the first child, couldn't stop drinking. Second child, couldn't stop drinking. And eventually, um, alcoholism took its toll on me. And I went into a what was called a blind mental blank spot for about two years. One of them incidents would be when we're all asleep, the kids asleep, ages one and three. And uh, I came down. I, I woke up and I know I needed to drink badly. So I came downstairs and I found a bottle of vodka that was hidden. I put it on the side of the counter for a second, turn around to get a crystal glass, because I'm not an alcoholic, remember? So I get a crystal glass, and I, I was just about to pour my drink, and I turned around, and my wife had followed me down, and she snatched the bottle off the side of the counter. And she said, Rob, I think you've had enough. She was probably right. I should have thanked that woman, gone back up to bed and slept it off, but I didn't. I took a kitchen knife out, and I stabbed her three times. Uh, she she was bleeding on the floor. I called the police and the ambulance, and I call around the corner, Uh, the taxi cab was with me within a minute and I stayed at the door, make sure that she didn't die. And uh, as soon as I heard the sirens, I jumped in the cab and I fled to Spain. And I only came back when I got an affidavit and stuff in Spain to say that I'm not going to press charges and the witnesses were signed and everything. And I came back to England and then uh, she was there with my, my two little babies and she said, I'm leaving, you know, and then she left with my kids, but I'm so, up my own ass and, and ego and egocentric, and I got hold of my attorney and I got my kids back the next day through court. And I remember putting them in front of the TV and walking into the kitchen, thinking very proud of myself. I, I these are my kids. You're not taking my kids off me. End of story. I remember opening one beer just to celebrate having the kids. Three days later, when the police kicked the door down, when dad was in a stupor, when the babies had not been fed or changed diapers for two days. They were dehydrated and almost dead. They took my babies out of my hands, my three-year-old girl, and they took them to the front door where the authorities were waiting, the police were waiting. My, my wife was waiting and mother-in-law was waiting. The child protective services were waiting. And the cop kicked me in the side of the head and said, get up, you bum. And he served I know this million dollar house, he served me with unfit faith, uh, paper uh, papers. And I went to the front door, Aaron, and <clears throat> I sat at the front door and I'm crying i'd never do this but i'm crying And my eldest daughter grabbed mommy's hand and she's walking down the path and she says daddy daddy please don't go and they walked down the path a little bit more and i'm stood at the door of this big house and i'm crying even the, one of the policemen were crying which i thought was really weird and uh, halfway down the path says, daddy daddy please get better and as they got to the gate they opened the gate and my daughter turned around one more time and she said daddy daddy please stop drinking And I couldn't do it. I went back to the kitchen. I opened another bottle of of beer. And six or seven months later, the wife had gone. The kids had gone. The house had gone. The cars had gone. The uh, medical license had taken off me. Um, My holiday home had gone. I went from there to my parents for two days. They threw me out, went to friends, from friends to acquaintances, and from acquaintances to the streets. And I, I remember sat on the bench the first night, and I thought, where the hell did that just go wrong? I not think it was alcoholic by then. I was just thinking, why the hell did that go wrong? It happened so quick. And, you know, it happened. It hadn't happened so quick. People have put with a lot of shit from me uh, over the last five to 10 years that I, was, uh, that I was heavily involved with alcohol and drugs or anything else. I'd get my hands, mostly alcohol. And I stayed on the streets for 14 months. And I fought bare, fist, bare knuckle fighting every day to survive with the gypsies and whoever else wanted to fight for money. Well, I'd steal my money, I'd steal the money. Uh, I would wait for men to come out of uh, discotheques in the 80s, and I and especially drunk, and I would knock them out. And I would, because uh, I was a fighter, I was a boxer and a can karate guy, as well as a bodybuilder. So I could do a lot of damage in a small time. And I'd steal the money for a hotel or an, an alcohol and stuff like that. Uh, and yeah, stayed there. I woke up one morning, never forget this. I'm on this bench that I sleep on. The guy next to me was stabbed to death for his, for his sneakers. That's the kind of world I was in and it was just horrible.
1: Wow. Doctor, thank you so much for uh, your vulnerability um, and and your, your honesty, you know, that, that, that hit really, that really hit really hard for me to hear that, but I appreciate where you're coming from because you're very honest with your journey. Um, And I want to make this relatable, uh, this conversation and this topic to anyone because All of us as human beings, we have to create our own relationship with substance, whether it's alcohol or drugs or anything. Um, And so I would like you to talk about that experience and that journey to how you created a new relationship with those things and tying that back into your work now.
0: I think looking back on on my homelessness and loss of kids and houses and wives and everything, my wife is still never speaking to me. Uh, As you you go through life, and I got off the streets by an absolute miracle. 3% of people get off the streets in Manchester. 97% die on the streets. And I've done suicide six times. On two occasions, it worked. Uh, My heart stopped, and they brought me back to life on the side of a smelly, dirty, wet road in Manchester. Uh, So looking back on that and thinking, wow, I hated everybody and anything. Hated God, hated my life, hated my mom and dad for throwing me out. Hated everything. And uh, I didn't realize how much damage it was doing. That's the problem. My dad threw me out of the house when I moved to my house, uh, to, my, uh, uh, to my parents' house, because she'd she locked the doors and changed the locks and everything. And he came up one, about the third or fourth day, he came up. And I was drinking, and the, the law was don't drink. Otherwise, you're out. And he came and he threw me out. And it was two o'clock in the morning. And he gave me a little bag of clothes and 20 pounds. And he just said, you got to go, son. And uh, I slept in a bus shelter that night. And I remember years later when dad was at the bar, was all getting on well. I went back and me and mom started talking over a cup of tea. And I said, remember the time my dad threw me out, mom? And she said, yeah, I remember that night. She wasn't brave enough to do it. I said, I hated that man, mom, for years. I kind of still do now for doing that. And this is what she said to me, Aaron, that changed everything for me. She said, son, in 45 years of being married to your father, that's the only time I've seen him cry. And it hit me like a sledgehammer. How much fucking damage have I caused? The crying children, the desperate wife, you know, it just... It still hits me today. I still get upset about the damage I caused because my alcoholism was like an infectious disease. I infected everybody I came across in some negative way. Always was was negative. You never met me with a good outcome. That's for sure. Hmm. So... Hmm. You know, looking back, all that stuff was like a semester at Harvard. You know, in the <laughs> stuff I do today, because people come to and they go, because we, we, we all work by telehealth now. We might get somebody in the office. We don't own a, virtual, a proper office. We uh, use the house. It's big enough to have a, a practice in. And they come and go, look at you, doctor. I'm not being funny, but what do you know about being homeless or losing your kids? And I can sit them down and go, actually, let me tell you about the homelessness. Let me tell you about loss of kids. Let me tell you about dying three or four times you know, on the street and it's relatable to everybody. So I have them tools and them traits from them that I've turned around for positive. And I'll tell you why I truly believe that anybody can change. And I truly believe that alcoholism, you can recover. I'm a recovered alcoholic. I've gained my health and state of mind back and every addict born and most athletes, to be honest, are, we have different brains. We have sharp, we're the smartest guys in the room. You know, because we have the dedication, tenacious uh, attitude to make sure that we we compete and and we make it. And if I mean, you just look at quarterback. You know, the chances of making a quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys are what one in four billion. You got more chance to win the lottery every single week for a fucking year. You know, <laughs> so what you got? The people don't see what you got to put behind that to get there. You know, they don't realize that our quarterback right now was third string. And he only got in for, because this happened, that happened, da, 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 and he's in and he's making the most of his life. That's what it's about today. You know, I'm 60 now. And I know I've not got a long, well, like 20 years, 10 years, whatever it is, but I want to pass all my information and I want to pass all my, you know, like attitude to life on to as many people as I can. That's why I'm doing these podcasts. It's like, you really can change you know, and you really can have an yeah. amazing life and you really can affect people. Because when I say thank you to somebody, dopamine is released into my brain. I'd like dopamine. So I'm always thanking people, complimenting people. I've always got a nice word. I was the biggest, meanest, horrible drunk you've ever seen. I used to knock people out and people used to have bets. They used to have bets on the street, whether he was unconscious before he hit the ground or after. That was the bet. That's how crazy I was. And then look at me today. I'm always giving back. We give $150,000 last year back to people that are struggling, people who lost their kids and want to get them back, people that have just come out of treatment but really want it this time but got nowhere to live. We just, we just keep paying, man. I've always got to pay back, whether it's my time or my finances or, or my knowledge, whatever it is, because I found something that's gold and I found something that 7,000 patients that I've worked with have also found. But we don't know how powerful. I really really Go on.
1: No, I just, I really respect that. That's, that's amazing. You know, the
0: thing is when, when, when I get on with a patient or even you, I can tell us even you, you don't know how powerful you are. You don't like, if me and you could swap places overnight. Now everyone listening, listen to this. If me and Aaron could swap places overnight, his show would be the top of the podcast list in six months time. Because we don't know. We never know. No one tells us, but that's pretty good. No one tells us how amazing we are, how much power we actually have. I'm empowered today. And anybody can empowered. And once you see that in yourself, listen, me and my friend was, was a few years ago now, but we're looking back into some old photographs. And he found a black and white photograph of me and him. We're about 20 something. And he's like, Rob, look at this. And I looked at it. Oh, my God, look how thin we were. Oh, my God, look at our hair, how blonde it was. Oh, my God. He said, oh, my God, those were the days. And I stopped for a second and I went did we know those were the days then? And he said, no, we didn't. And then I said, this was blew his mind. I said, what if today's one of those days? And he went, he went silent. I, I treat today as if it's one of those days that I can look back in, in 10 years time, go, whoa. Now we did that podcast with Aaron. Those were the days, Rob. <laughs> like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And i suppose not supposed to, supposed to curse on air, but I'm, it's just amazing. No, you
1: can say whatever you want, bro. Good. Say whatever you want.
0: It's just amazing. man. <laughs>
1: Um, I, I appreciate that mindset. I want to get into mindset because I have a big section on mindset, but I want to talk a little bit about alcoholism and addiction specifically in athletes. You you mentioned you work with athletes, you know, this is, like I said before, this is one of those things that does not get talked about. Um, let's talk about it right now. What, where does it come from? I know you, I, I know alcoholism is hereditary, but in athletes, as an athlete myself, alcohol is used for celebration, right? Yes. You win. Yes. It's the first thing you do, yeah. right? Um, it's also used to relax when you get home, you know, after a long day or something, yeah. you you know, you have a drink. Um, how, 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 how does alcohol have a place in, in sports?
0: I think it like, hold, where is it where place. is the place? Yeah. I think it holds a place for celebration uh, but there are them addictive brains. So we've got to look at the athlete who has more self-care neural pathways than self-sabotage at the beginning, which means he wants something. He wants to be a success in his field, whatever that field may be. And again, being tenacious and coming from a family who is pushing you to do that, whether they be a poor family or a rich family, they want you to do that. You want to become the best quarterback in the world. And what happens to the athletes I've worked with? I know I do a lot of speaking for athletes in recovery. Um, what happens is time on the hands. And then what happens is you're thrust onto into a pitch with 100,000 people with Wild Pain College. And you kind of like that. So you like the adoration and stuff like that. And the time down, you know, what else are you are going to do but relax and relax the drink and drink and drink, whatever it is, it's just, it's a, it's a huge, it's a huge mistake. And a huge lie that alcohol makes you happy because it's a depressant. But we put it in our body and we think everything's good. And some people in the early days, uh, especially in the 80s, I know goalkeepers from Manchester City, biggest club drunk from the night before. That's how they used to play football. And as, as things have gone on, you know, alcohol has become that drug that if you don't drink alcohol, there's something wrong with you. You know, it was, a big, it was a big deal in the 80s and 90s when you'd go out with a girl and don't drink alcohol and she'd automatically think that you were taking pills because you've got some disease or a contagious, you know, sexual disease. It was one of the biggest thing. So nobody said anything, but I think it holds a place for being sensible. I think when you put, when you put toxins in your body of any kind, whether it be steroids, alcohol, drugs, uh, something happens to your body. The only thing with alcohol is it affects the brain in more ways. Than, than anything else in the world. Once it attacks the brain and we get a liking for that, then we mirror our past. So the mirroring part of the brain with alcoholism gets used to your childhood trauma and the way you were brought up. So if you see mom and dad drinking every day and they seem to be holding it together, that's what you're going to do. Now, if there's alcoholism in the family, it will end in tragedy. So you can't drink yourself to become an alcoholic. It's an impossibility. But what happens with alcoholics is You know, they cross over from normal drinking to heavy drinking to abusively drinking alcohol, and it will take over. Most athletes I know, one of them being a guy called Gaza in the the UK, he played for England and he played for a few big teams over there, and alcoholism got him, and it messed everything up. George Best was the same. You know, it it just gets them. So you've got to be sensible. Today's living. You see, years ago, you know, football players, especially the defense line, for instance, they were fat guys. There's no doubt about that. They were big, fat guys, like the fridge, you know? When you look at them today, they can do the the 100 meters in like stupid time. I mean, they are athletes of the best, you know? So why wouldn't you turn after after practice, you finish at 12, what else are you going to do? So I think it needs to be watched. Plus, going back to the 70s, 80s and 90s, athletes were almost given the alcohol to drink. They were definitely given the drugs out the cabinet. I definitely know that for a fact. I know one big team. Everybody knows, I know a linebacker there, the cabinet was open, the doctor's cabinet was open, so you could get pills of whatever, painkillers. So I think a lot of it's been cleared up, though, the alcoholism, the bad boy image. I think you've only got to look at some guys out there like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. You shouldn't be playing in your 40s. You wouldn't have been playing in your 40s back in the day, but they're taking more care of themselves. And I think the alcohol image... Uh, combined with the way people are today because sober is the new drunk. Everyone's taking care of themselves today, eating the right thing. You know, I think it's, it's being accepted more in in football and uh, pro athletes.
1: And what about recreational drugs? Now you have marijuana being, uh, <laughs> being widely accepted, you know, and, and you have other things that are being widely accepted as being okay <laughs> to, to do yeah. recreationally. You know, what do you say to those, to those things?
0: I get asked a question a lot and it says, Rob, what's the gateway drug? It's marijuana. It's marijuana. It's not, it's trauma. So we'll leave that alone over there for a second. Uh, I I can't condone anybody taking anything, but let me tell you something. I've never seen somebody high on weak cause a fight. I've never seen him in a (laughs) car crash. I've never seen him rob a store with a gun in the hand. You know, now my mother who died from cancer about seven years ago, she was smoking marijuana for the last five years of her life with, with chronic cancer. She didn't take the morphine. It stopped working for her. So there's a place. Now, what you have to ask yourself with, with, uh, with marijuana is, why do you get just a heavy sentence with marijuana as you do as heroin and cocaine? Well, I'll tell you why. Because I kind of say things other people are thinking. I don't care if I, if I get sued. Marijuana has got a lot of medicinal purposes that the pharmaceutical companies do not want us to know about. There, I said it. That's it. There's so many ailments that it can cure. So many air pain, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, if you smoke marijuana, cool. You know, if I wasn't in my industry, maybe I would, I don't think it's a harmful drug. Now I can hear people screaming at me, but you've got to do the research that I've done for a fact. You've got to do the research I've done. Those people who are on hard drugs today. Most of them started in the doctor's office. First of all, most people who try marijuana and stay on marijuana. Do not go to hard drugs. And they live a normal life where they can chill out every night. It's better for you than alcohol, just, just because of the lungs and the tobacco, just. But it is. So, yeah, definitely.
1: And, and let's talk about <laughs> painkillers, you know, over-the-counter painkillers, prescription drugs, because a lot of athletes are in pain all the time, right? So, um, <clears throat> you know, how, how, do, how do athletes safely take painkillers without getting addicted and without getting in trouble?
0: Well, there's a distortion right now that if the doctor says I take it, I have to take it. That's, that's bullshit. You know, don't trust your doctor. But when you, I know for a fact that I know football players now who are very successful, that if they miss a game, they may be replaced. So there's always that pressure to play. So cortisone goes into dead and pills go in, wrapping the knees go in and they end up crippled guys, you know, after they finish playing, but that's their profession. So I think medication is always going to be part of, anybody who's successful to a certain degree uh because of the bashing around them guys get you know uh boxing football there's a bunch of sports there that medication is needed but you have to get a serious doctor you know most clubs now have have serious doctors and then they're not dishing out uh drugs for, for for the sake of it but the biggest thing is do your research guys you know, go to your doctor or you go going to your coach or whatever it may be. And because oh, you need to take this I'll sort that out, research that drug. So easy this, this today on the internet. Just research it and see what it can do to you. But again, the pressure is so much. I mean, yeah. the pressure over here is a million times more than it is in England. I came over here, I saw college grounds. I, it was bigger than Manchester United football ground, the biggest team in the world. The biggest grossing team ever is Manchester United. And these, these college football fields were bigger. 100,000 people, Manchester United only hold 60. So, all that pressure is there on you. That I don't think we're going to stop that. I know when I was bodybuilding, I wanted to win Mr. Olympia, then die. And that might sound funny, but that's all I wanted to do. So, I can see these athletes that want to really be somebody, you know, they're not going to stop doing it. But again, be kind to yourself, just anything that goes in. The other thing I want to say about that is why do we need the most powerful drugs? Why do we need fentanyl? Why do we need all these handmade, uh, man-made opiums? You know, why do we need all? Because morphine was good enough for my mom when she was in pain and she's having babies and all that stuff that needs to go through. The pain isn't different. It's just a a different uh, chemical we're taking, which comes down to pure profit. If the pharmaceutical companies can come out with something for cancer, extreme cancer patients, like one in 5,000 will may need fentanyl and all of a sudden the streets are flooded with it. And it comes down to one thing and that's money.
1: Right. Well, I, I want to go back to that social pressure because that's real. And I want to talk a little bit about, you mentioned coach, uh, you know, I'm, a lot of my audience, a big part of my audience is are coaches or, or mentors and you could even throw parents in there too. Um, how do we as coaches best guide our youth athletes mm-hmm when dealing with social pressures and, you know, um, dealing with these, these things like alcohol and drugs and specifically the dangers of becoming addict, addicted potentially to these things at a young age, because a lot of the youth athletes are exposed to these things and they're only taught the repercussions. Mm-hmm. Like you will get in trouble if you do this, you will be suspended, you will be, you know, it's not, there's not really another discussion about that. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about the guidance that we need to give them?
0: I think coaches as a whole now are more mentoring, more involved. Uh, they're not worried about the jobs some more. They're worried about the, you know, the effect they have on, on the, on the teens um, or professionals, adults that they're training. And I think dialogue is number one. <clears throat> if you are really invested in an athlete's future, then the more dialogue, the better. And drugs always should be the last place you go to. Because the power of the mind is phenomenal. It controls all, all the pain in your body. You know, If you can get in a different way, breathing techniques, there's all this stuff. But I think, <clears throat> I think looking now and back in the 80s and 90s, we do a pretty good job today of that mentor. I've seen some great coaches in my time. Uh, I want to say that uh, there was a great coach, an offensive line coach, Jeff. Uh, not to say second name, but he was a great mentor for the team and me. He such a great guy, you know, and I think that communication with, you know, we all want to win. The team wants to win. Everybody wants to win. It's good. But if everyone's sat out there wondering the ins and outs of this, I want you to do the favour for me. I want you to watch Ted Lasso and people laugh and go, a I've heard that's funny and I've heard it's to Watch it. It has an amazing message in there for coaches. All coaches and athletes should watch that. Cause the main message is absolutely, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but it's phenomenal. So I think. What was the movie? Was the movie? Was it a Ted movie? Lasso. It's a series. Ted Lasso. It's on Apple it's Plus. Uh, we got through the first two episodes. I hated it. And my friend said, stay with it. But it's about a coach from a uh, football team in Philadelphia that goes over to, to coach uh, English soccer. And the, 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 the actual, I think it's two series. Uh, it's not really about football. It's really about the coach and the players and that interaction and how he guides this, these players into a different world that are going to go forward and win the mentality. You don't need drugs to have that mentality of winning. You know, you can get more hyped up if you had the guidance and the, and the, and the uh, the mentoring that some of these coaches are to the table, because you talk about the athletes getting better and better. The coaches are getting better and better. The more health conscious you know everybody again, everybody has to win. And when you're playing professional, that you know that's your wages, that's your family, that's everything you're looking after. The more win, the more you get paid. So I think that as a as a whole, shout out to the coaches. 90% of them are really good. The other 10 obviously still old school, to to, to wean out over the years. But yeah, I'm really impressed with the coaches in in uh, in England, in US America, not, not England. <laughs>
1: um, I like that, and I I like that as an opportunity to transition into mindset because a big part of my project is, you know, learning a better mindset, teaching a better mindset, exploring other mindsets. You know, uh, I think mindset is everything. I know you do a little bit of mindset revamping through NLP. Um, yeah. I was hoping to talk a little bit about that.
0: First thing we have to look at when it comes to mindset is, are you mindful or are you mind full? So we have to empty our minds on a daily basis. And what we find is the, the brain is a, <clears throat> a superpower. Anybody that's tenacious in what they want to do, you have a superpower because you have that extra waiting for it. But yeah, it's it's all about <clears throat> visualizing. And a lot of it is rest and meditation, central nervous system work, breathing work to make sure you do that. And, and then find out what you want to do in life. You know? and, and let me tell you now, you can do anything you want in life. I mean, you really can. And people used to go back in the mirror and go, well, I can't be president. I beg to differ today. A businessman run our country. I'm not into politics, but he ran the country. A businessman. Don't tell me you can't do anything. And it's about that vision that you have in your head, what you can hold in your head, you can hold in your hand. I've tried it. 7,000 people, man, patients, they've all done it, including me. And, and that's what it's about. It's also with, with, with meditation that you can empty the stuff that you don't need. In the somatic experience, you can empty that stuff out and be clear-minded. And when you come clear-minded, you accept a lot of things that you wouldn't. So when you're running about and the brain's full, you miss a load of opportunities. When you clear the brain, anything you can't control, let go of that stuff. If you have trauma from the past, and 99.9% of people do, find out what the trauma is because it sets in the subconscious brain. So what happens well, is we store that stuff and we just we don't get rid of it. And so a little bit of work on yourself and, and some work, some breathing work with a professional, some counseling work with a professional, and you can take your game to a different level. You look at Tom Brady, you know, whether you like him or hate him, look what he's done. He goes to a team that everyone's rotten off. What happens? They win the Super Bowl. Is that down to the team? No, it's down to the mentoring, the mindfulness of him, the way he can, he can hold people's attention in his hand in the locker room. All this stuff is good, is it's being mindful all the time, not mindful, and accepting things and explaining things. And you can change a village with one person who is mindful about what he's doing and what he wants to achieve. And then what he does, Tom Brady, is he goes out and he he he, he doesn't talk the talk, he walks the walk. You see him with family, you see him with his kids. You know, this is all part of mindful exercise and is, yeah, I want to be that one of them people. And I am one of those people today, you know, when I'm always calm. I mean, I get excited about lots of stuff. I get angry sometimes when you step over the line. Don't get me wrong. But the best pace to be is if you can't control it, let that shit go. I got sued once for $10,000. a Malpractice. It was bullshit. My, my attorney laughed. He was laughing. He, kept, he was crying. He said, stop telling me about this guy. He can't sue you. His, his girl went and relapsed or something. Stupid. But he was an attorney and he was going to go to court. And I said, how long is it going to take before we actually think? He said 12 months. I said, pay him. What? I'm not going to sit for a year with that shit on my mind. Not going to do it. Pay him the man. Pay him. Can't control that shit. And once you let go of the stuff you can't control, life becomes very peaceful and very successful.
1: I really like that. Um, talk a little bit more about clarity because that's one of the main values that I have uh, when it comes to this whole idea of staying inspired, right? That clarity of, of purpose, that clarity of your mission, that clarity of your daily actions, that clarity, you know? Um, Yeah. How, how does that resonate with you? Again,
0: it comes back to the minute you get up. Most people that successful have a routine every day. Uh, My thing is to put the five, five things down that you can complete every day. And if you want to complete four, you've taken a step back, always moving forward. Know what you want to do for a living. Be careful about your friends. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. If you hang around nine depressed guys, you will become the 10th. So it's clarity in who surrounds me. When I first came to America, I got surrounded by these yes-men guys. And uh, and some of them were just normal guys. And I would say to them, hey, I'm thinking of writing a book. And I cut from and went, pff, pff, I'm stupid. Can't write a fucking book. So I didn't. Three years ago, a years ago I, got a new, I went to San Antonio and I got a new bunch of guys around me. I said, I'm thinking of writing a book. And he went, a book? I thought you already had a book. Have you not got a book out? Fuck yeah, you should str- what, what are you doing, right? And I wrote a book. So the clarity of who's around me, the clarity of how powerful I am, the clarity of how much effect I have as a human being, and you, and all the people. Listening. Everybody needs a leader. You are the leader. If you listen to this, you are the leader. Nobody listens to this by mistake. You know, you have to take this, this clarity of what either God, supreme being, whatever it is, wants you to be. Because we're put on this world for the reason. I went to bed last night, I was 19, woke up when I was 60. Remember that saying. That's how quick it is. So if you've heard this by driving on the car, listening to road, whatever it is, you've heard it for a reason. And the reason is, yes, you've been chosen. Yes, it's you. Oh, it can't be. Yes, it is. Because everybody needs a leader. So really find out what you want in life. Find your path. Find your niche. Find out in everything in the world that you've got to do. What's, why have you been put on this earth? Get clarity about that. Smile. Practice smiling a lot. Get clarity about everything around you. So everybody has a place uh, because the human brain hates change. And you'll find that you can walk through life successful. You are the guy guys listen at home and, 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 and women, you are the person that inspires people. We will never know how good you are, never know how good you are. So you've got to start looking around and see what pleasure you bring, What, how you make people laugh when you're not there, you missed, you know, because we all go, oh, I've got nothing to I always go on a stage, Aaron, 100,000 is my biggest audience, 10 people was our smallest. Before I go to anyone, I'm at the side going, oh, I've got nothing to say. Fuck, did you want to know off me? Jesus, why? I'm scared. I know. No, you're here for a reason. God, universe, power, blood. Someone's going to put something in your place one day and it's a golden opportunity. And if you're not clear, you don't have the clarity to see it, you're going to miss it. And I believe it only comes once. So you need to get in this state of mind. You're like, take, take the blinkers off, guys. You know, people say when they come out of recovery, say, Rob, I, I took these blinkers off and the, the whole world was there. That's the way you should go in through life. And if you're not having fun doing it, you know, then you're doing it wrong. And if you're sat at home now and you're thinking you're not good enough, you're not going to amount to anything, you know, I want to apologize to you. Somebody's fucking put that there. That's not how you're born. We're born with million-dollar minds, guys. Stop hanging around 10-cent minds. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Get clarity in your life. Move forward every single day and your life will take off. And listen, peace, peace about what you want to do and the direction you're going and taking people with you. Peace is phenomenal. You you can't buy that shit. It's like gold dust between your ears. You can't buy it. When a man is at peace, he's at his best. You know, when a man is in peace, he's at his best meditation, peace, living life to the full, being kind to people, giving back where possible, all these things make up the, the successor that's in you. Anybody can do this guys. Look at quantum physics. Quantum physics tells me I can be 25 places at the same time on a basketball court. Where do I want to be? The goal, man. I keep saying it. The goal, get the ball, slap it in the neck. How do I get it? Walk over and take it. What? Walk over and take that position. The fuck are you begging for it. Walk over and take it. You can only visualize it. Walk over and take it. And mm-hmm. people do by the time they finish. And when they do, they hear my stupid English accent going, walk over and fucking take it. And ninety-nine percent of the people I've worked with do that exactly, because that's that's the key to life. Don't listen. No one's going to knock on the door and offer you a million dollars a year. Nobody's going to do it. Stop waiting. No one's going to knock on the door and give you and give you shit. You got to make things happen. You're the leader. If you're hearing this, you're the leader. Stop taking second stage. You you you, you need to outdo yourself, guys.
1: I love that, doctor. That was that was amazing. Um, I know I, we're kind of short on time here, but <laughs> I wanted to that was, that was beautiful, man. got me fired up. I wanted to uh, ask you about spirituality and how spirituality fits into that message that you just so eloquently delivered Um, for someone out there. Who's, you know, who's listening to that, but it's like, man, how, 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 you know, other than meditation,
0: you've got to trust. You got to trust there's something up there, whether it be your auntie, uncle, child, there's something up there looking after you. And there's something I want you to succeed. The, The human being is, is, is born a spiritual person you've only got to watch the birth you've only got to watch how a human being comes into this life just bigger than us guys if you don't think it is how dare you you know come on and then you watch that i'm, I'm get a get a conscious contact get a relationship with a higher power or for me i'm a spiritual journey i call it god it, it doesn't mean it's the god out of the bible there's twenty six thousand gods just fucking pick one you know and you'll start to be you start to be spiritual and you will find 99 of me today is spiritual i have to be And then you see all around you what your spiritual guide is trying to give you on a daily basis because it is, it is absolutely vital. And I didn't know what vital meant. I thought it was important. It's necessary to life. Check his vital signs. It's vital that you get into the spirituality side because it will take you to a different place and you can clear your mind when there's nobody else around and you can become that guy. And self-belief is phenomenal when your internal dialogue goes most of my guys, when they're going to do something and they go, oh, I'm not, I don't know if I can do this. They, they pray or they talk to their spiritual. And then they hear my stupid accent going, fuck yeah, you can do it. That's what it's all about. The spiritual guide will take you, man. It's not religion. Listen, where I come from, with my guys I work with, religion are for those people who are scared to go to hell. Spirituality is for those people who's already fucking been there. They don't care to go there again. That's the difference. I don't go to church. You know, I don't, I don't carry a cross around me. That's all facts. I think if Jesus came back today, he'd want everybody to get rid of them fucking crosses. You know, it's like, what the hell, guys? You know, so I have that, that spiritual side of you. It's with everybody. Oh, well, I don't think, sit alone in, in a room with no noise for an hour. You'll find it. Believe me, you'll find it.
1: Yeah, get quiet, right? Get, get quiet, quiet, guys. Yeah.
0: Start, breathe. Try some box breathing. In for like four seconds. Stop for four seconds. Out for four seconds do that five or six times, your heart rate will come down and you will feel amazing after. Believe me, you will. I mean, I've, I've, I've betted people hundreds of dollars on this, you know, non-believers and they've tried it. They go, wow. Just breathing and filling your lungs gives you a different insight to life. And here's the other thing I want to say as well is if you're listening to this at home guys and you go, well, I just can't do that. I'm so depressed. And, you know, I'm in a one-bedroom apartment, I'm homeless, whatever it is. Listen, I can give you a five-minute pep talk that will change your fucking life, believe me. I've been doing this for 20 years. Five to 10 minutes, I will change your whole life. And you will go on to be successful. End of story. So what are you gonna do with that, Rob? I'm gonna give you my fucking private own cell phone number. That's what I'm gonna give you. 214-600-0210 is the phone I'm holding in my hand. It's not my assistant it's not my receptionist it's me you know if i don't answer text me don't be, don't think i'm in this just because of finances or notoriety i'm in the trenches guys i'm still in the trenches with you guys whether you be a coach stuck at something whether you have a problem with one of your players call me text me let's talk you know this is all i want to do is is give back before i pass away god forbid it Albert, that, but i'm just saying pass pass this stuff on because i've had an incredible life you know? And sometimes coaches don't want to go for help. But what I'm saying is that I'm confidential, private, and it's never going to go anywhere. I'm not going to try and fucking sell you anything. You have to you have to earn our, our services. You can't just fucking buy them. I turned Britney Spears down for a million dollars. Give me a break. Call me. We'll talk, you know, because I just want to give back.
1: Wow. Wow. I hope anyone listening to this, uh, if they're struggling, if they know someone's struggling, please take Dr. Rob Kelly's uh, – uh, uh, offer up because that's amazing. Thank you so much for for doing that. Um, and I, I was just going to ask if you know what what is your advice to anyone out there struggling? You just gave everyone your phone number. Um, is there any other advice that you could give who if if someone's listening to this struggling or maybe about to go get some 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 substance to you know yeah. to 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 hide something or to numb themselves from something? Just a quick little piece of advice for that person.
0: Look, everybody thinks they need something to pick them up. You don't, you know, have self-belief. I don't care if you're in one-bedroom apartment, that stinks, you can't pay the rent, the kids are crying. Come on, fucking stand up. We can do this. I, I've proven it time and time again, you know. Don't think that this is your lot in life. Nothing is for good. Nothing is forever. You only have it for a certain time. If you're going through rough times, don't look at it as, oh, poor me, poor me. What you're going through is an educational system and period to pass on to somebody else when you become affluent because you fucking will. End of story. It doesn't matter who you are, you will. Get that mindset. Get that belief. Watch your internal dialogue. If you drop a pen on the floor, you're not a stupid idiot. You've dropped off a pen on the floor. Do that every day. Be kind to yourself. Say I love you 10 times in the mirror every day looking at you. We're stacking the subconscious brain. And when you, you won't see anything, you won't feel anything off it. But when you go for that job, car, girl, or house, and you think, oh, I don't know too much, the subconscious will pass over to the prefrontal cortex and you'll love yourself and you go, yes, I'd love to take that job. And that's it. Listen, if you go into Amazon or Walmart, daddy, daddy, please stop drinking. is a book I've got out. And the only reason I mention that, I don't take a dime off that. You only hear people, oh, I've got this book for sale. All the, all the proceeds. No, we don't take fucking nothing out of it. Everything that goes into that book goes back out to the communities around the world. If you need money, we'll provide it for you. That's what it's about. Social media, Dr. Rob Kelly, give us a like, give us a message. Facebook, Dr. Rob Kelly, jump on there. I'll try and friend as many people as possible. Let's do this, guys. Believe me, I'm going to walk hand in hand to people that are listening on this show only. I'm going to walk you through it hand in hand. If you want to become a millionaire, it's easier than you think motivation on a daily basis and doing the right thing.
1: Dr. Rob Kelly, man, you're a, you're an angel. And, and I'm, I'm saying that because not everyone has this ability to just give like that. Yeah. And just, I can just tell you like, you're, you're here to help. You want to help. I can't thank you enough for uh, coming on to this show and just, ex- you know, sharing some of your mindset and you're obviously being vulnerable and some of your, your experiences and really hit home today, man. I really appreciate you. <laughs>
0: The other thing I want to say before I leave is uh, <clears throat> I want to thank you. Aaron. I've done some research on you, you know, and, and I think that's why we've gone over time is I don't care. You know, you're a good guy. I want to be, I want to be friends with you. I want to have contact with you. You, you're that guy that, first of all, thank you for being you. Secondly, thank you for standing up and doing this shit. It's a lonely journey sometimes. And this is, we do it for one reason. And thank you for the hundreds of thousands with the ripple effect that you, you've affected these people that you've affected because you don't know how powerful you are you're empowered my man i'm telling you and i don't really connect with people on here i do about booking 10 a day but what you do and the and the guts you have to do it and the leading of of uh, of men and and teenagers is absolutely a gift and i just absolutely i'm in awe of you man you just thank you so much man
1: Man, that means a lot. It got me emotional. Thank you so much, Dr. Rob. I, uh, the feeling is mutual. Let's stay in contact and uh, yes. let's, even do a, let's even do a round two sometime.
0: Sounds good. And get, me, get you on my podcast would be awesome as well. I'd love to. Definitely. I'll get Courtney on the case.
1: Okay. Dr. Rob, once again, appreciate you. Much love, much respect. Let's talk soon.
0: Thank you, man. Bye,
1: guys. This episode is brought to you by DAF Global. If you're looking to start a podcast or you have a podcast and you're looking for editing services, hit up my guys Oliver and Garrett at DAF Global. They're awesome. They help me with this podcast and they take care of all kinds of different services like editing and audio enhancement. And they're great to work with. They're also offering a 10% discount to all within the game listeners. So hit my guys up at DAF Global on Instagram and also on their website, www.dafglobal.com dot co dot uk.